Welcome to today's Bible study of 365. Excited about today. We're going to be reading Luke 16, 19 to 17, 10. Please get your Bibles ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for the audience. We pray, Lord God, for the ears and their eyes to see you in the word. We thank you, Lord, that we can see you and recognize you in the word. Thank you for putting joy in our hearts. We rejoice and we give you all the praise and the thanksgiving. We worship you and praise you. Thank you for your word. You sent your word and you healed us of all our diseases. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. We choose to rejoice and be glad in you. We choose to be happy today in you, Lord. Thank you for making this day a progressive day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, uh, good morning, Anna. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. God bless you. Are you fired up to read the Bible this morning? Yes, I am. Let's go. All right. Would All you right. please take it away? Okay. Luke chapter sixteen nineteen to seventeen ten. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the man who died, finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, Remember that during your lifetime you had nothing or or you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm spreading, uh, separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send, send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, Then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't even listen. They they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. One day Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck 
than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea and it would obey you. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal. Put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Wow. It's very... Well, thank you very much for reading that. I really understand that the thing that stands out to me is uh, first is that the dead man was in torment and uh-huh. he was able to yell and see the other side. The other side. I don't know what a chasm is, but I figure it's like a, the Grand Canyon or something like that. You know, that there's one side to the other. You can't go. <clears throat> and that he was in agony in the place of the dead, the realm, Hades, being in torment. And then <clears throat> the Bible says that while he was comforted in this world mm-hmm. and Lazarus was not, now Lazarus is enjoying the comforts of heaven and paradise. Yeah, right. Um, so, in, and also in the uh, Psalms, it says, King David is complaining about the rich people and he's saying, look at them. You know, they're, they don't have any problems as normal people do. And then he kept meditating. He says, Forgive me, Lord, for I know what their end's going to be like. It's kind of like the Father is giving them mercy if they want to cash in their coins right now and enjoy their life, as opposed for us investing our coins and wanting to live in heaven because of this great love that Jesus Christ has put in our hearts. That, what I get from that Lazarus thing that Praising him and, and going doing it God's ways is a lot easier than. Uh, one thing that stands out when you when you call it the place of the dead. First of all, chasm. 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 I'm or sorry. Or chasm. I don't know. Yeah, chasm um, is a a deep fissure. F- f- I don't know how to pronounce that. Fissure. <laughs> fissure. Fissure. In the I think it's fissure in the earth, rock oh, or another surface. Oh, um, what they use in volcanic, a fissure. Yeah, there. That's what they use in volcanic. It's yeah. In other words, something springs up out of the ground. Yeah, it, say, it says it's a deep split or gap in the earth. Okay. <clears throat> so that's what, what that means. But what stood out just in general as you talk, you hear Jesus talk, when he refers to somebody passing on he doesn't really say they're dead 
right? Like when he raised Lazarus from the dead or the little girl, don't say she's dead. She's asleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Meaning that they're going to rise. He never uses the word dead. That person's dead. You never hear him saying that in the mm-hmm. Gospels. But here it says the place of the dead. Mm-hmm. So there is a difference where you're going. You know, uh, the people that are born again that are, remember, and this goes back to um, and the people that are born again that have been buried are going to rise up first. Okay. Um, when Jesus comes back. So they're, he he would call that asleep. They're asleep because they're going to get, you know, they're going to go with the rapture, but they're going to go first. So this is very interesting how it says there's a place of the dead that 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 rich man is. And he had everything he wanted. And he had this poor man right outside his gate. And, you know, I I mean, if you drive up to your gate, you're going to notice this man there begging for food. He didn't do anything to help him. You know, it didn't have mercy on him. Amen. Um, One of the things is, is that remember, Jesus is probably speaking, uh, giving an example to the people. You know, he is. This is, uh, you know, how the kingdom of God works. The one raised from the dead is he himself, you know, and there's people not believing. You know, we keep thinking it's Old Testament, but really he was giving a sermon for us to beware. He goes, even if someone rises from the dead, he was talking about himself, you will not believe. You know, that's what he was telling. (laughs) I like it when you give me that face, baby. But uh, I got that from the... uh, Passion translation. Right. Wow, notes. that's good. You know, um, and and, it, and you raised a good point. It's like there's just going to be people who don't believe, no matter what they see, right? Because right. the Pharisees saw, right? Lots of great things. And they already while he was studied. Alive. They and they studied, and they know Moses and the prophets. But it's almost like, why would you, that, that person who, the five brothers need to be seeking the word of God to see what, what's going on here I think is what he's kind of putting a hard stance to that you know um, because um, I remember 1988 I locked myself up on a and I was determined to pray in my my five brothers and sisters wow that's a good point I locked and I got on my knees and I prayed and I prayed and I had a dream like, you know, we came from Mexico. We used to own a house on an old river uh, riverbed, so it was mostly sand and dirt kind of mixture. Um, and I remember we, we dug, we used to dig holes in the sand and play little caves and so forth. But in this particular dream, we had, a, a, all five of us had to go in the hole mm-hmm. through the sand mm-hmm. and get on our backs to wow. get to the other side, wow. kind of crawl to our, you know, wiggle like kids and go through the cave and through on our backs and get on the other side. And that was salvation. Eva did it, Chewy did it, Yolanda did it, Rosa did it, I did it. And the one in the dream who gave me the hardest time was my mother doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, she, in her imagination or her belief, she could not get on her back. And in other words, the Lord was telling me, but she did it. The Lord was telling me that I have 
I have answered. I have. I'm going to save all your brothers and wow, sisters. Wow, that's powerful, babe. Powerful. That's what the dream, you know. But I locked myself up with a roof. I had a, maybe two or three months paid up, and I'm going to fast and pray them in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's wonderful. Dream. I was, I was having. I've seen. I've seen so many people going to hell, and it was. This was real to me. I think, yeah. my God. Yeah. I was not functioning. I said, this is not. You know, this is an alarm here. Yeah, and you know, even. Even if, you know, I guess what I just marvel at how God will let you know you're doing the right thing, even in a dream. You know, Fernando, you're praying, you're interceding. I got this. I'm answering you. It's wonderful. Now, even if in the first few months you didn't see it, you'll see it. You're going to see it. Because God is merciful even on their deathbed, you know, to to save. Right? Amen. So, but... that's a wonderful, wonderful. I love when God confirms that He's with you and He's answering you and He's just for you. It's so wonderful. Amen. I wanted to move on to another betrayals on chapter 17. Let me read the um, Passion Translation. It says, One day Jesus taught His disciples this betrayals are inedible, but yes. great devastation will come. To the one guilty of betraying others. Devastation. It would be better for him to have a heavy boulder tied around his neck and be hurtled into the deepest sea than to face the punishment of betraying one of my dear ones. You know, that's really weird. So be alert to your brother's condition. And if you see him going the wrong direction, cry and correct him. If there is true repentance... On his part, forgive him. No matter how many times in one day your brother sins against you and say, I'm sorry, I'm, I am changing, forgive me. You need to forgive him each and every time. Upon hearing this, the apostle said to Jesus, Lord, you must increase our measure of faith. In other words, mm-hmm. I'm going to need more faith for this thing to mm-hmm. you know, accomplish this. Mm. But then Jesus responded, If you have even the smallest measure of authentic faith, it will be powerful enough to say to this large tree, My faith will pull you up by the roots and throw you into the sea, and it will respond to your faith and obey you. Jesus continued, After a servant has finished his work in the field or with the livestock, he doesn't immediately sit down or relax to eat. No, a true servant prepares the food for his master and makes sure his master is served his meal before he sits down to eat his own. Does the true servant expect to be thanked for being what it, for doing what is required of him? So learn this lesson. After doing all that is commanded of you, simply say, We are mere servants, undeserving of special praise. For we are just doing what is expected of us and fulfilling our duties. Now, you would say, I don't really understand that. I still don't understand all this. Especially about being the servant. What I do understand, a little bit that I don't understand is, um, 
is simply us as Christians, you know, we do a good job, then we get on our knees and we pray and we thank God for the day. We thank God for his presence. We thank God for answering our prayers for that day in the nighttime. And I believe that's the the serving the Lord, serving him by thanking him and finishing our days and then saying, we are just mere servants. Um, you know why? Because we have a problem. Our fallen nature is proudful, eagle. That's what happened to the Pharisees. They picked up a lot of pride, ego, and selfish, you know. They didn't have those human inherited natures from our humanity, from Adam, under control. Pride and ego, even in the Bible, even in knowing the Word of God. You see it all the time. One guy bickering with another one about what's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but the yeah. Lord, the Lord just told me that He wants us to concentrate on faith, not that. In other words, going back to the original reading, the beginning, what I read about faith moving the mountain, moving the tree, cultivating our faith. Now, remember, our faith characteristics is joy and humor. When we have joy and humor, is through a reading. That's when the faith is most pleasant and high and available. In other words, the Bible says that faith worketh by love. And love, for me, comes only through a big, massive greeting, reading, encounter. Then I'm just happy as a lark. I have faith. I don't know, but it's really difficult to tap in to see genuine faith. Well, you know, I think... You know, the scripture says that God has given us all a measure of faith. Some faith is... So he has all given us seeds to develop. Yes. There you go. Thanks for answering that. Um, And I believe that um, they're also testing that comes to see how our faith... See, we're supposed to grow that faith out. And in growing that faith out, you know, you go through something... You don't see it at the moment that it's going to... God is trying to help increase your faith. By testing you? But, yeah. But I didn't do my homework the night before. I'm unprepared. I'm winging well, it. Well, you may not... I mean, most of us yeah. are winging it. Yeah. But, but, but you know, it says the, faith, the, the seed, the mustard seed faith. You have that little hope that you know that God is going to come through for you, even though you don't see it. You know, you hang on to that. Because... But then... You're, the word of God is the promises that said he's going to do what he said said he's going to do, right? Right. So without reading the word of God, you don't know what he's going to do, right? So it's kind of like you're hoping and you're, you're unsure and it may take longer for you to adapt or develop that faith. But that's when that's the best time to grab that Bible and start your reading and say, well, what does God's word say about that report? The doctor just said there's no chance for them to to uh, cure me. You know, I just they just got a really bad... Well, what does God's word say? Well, God's word says that Jesus went about healing everyone who came to him. Now, that right there is enough to get your mustard seed into the next dimension. You know, and you begin by thanking God. You know, first tell the enemy, get out of my life, get out of my house, whatever... And then 
thank God for who he is and his power and what his word and the promises saying that he's going to do what he said he's going to do because he's a faithful God. And he's a God that, that answers faith. He answers our prayers. He answers his word, his word. So, Amen. So I believe that. Um, so when so what I'm saying is now you've gone through this trial and God brings you through, right? Because you know His Word and brings you through. And guess what? The next time you go to a trial, you're gonna pull the Word of God out and you're gonna say, "This belongs to me." It says, "My God is faithful. He loves me. He's He's He answers prayer even before I pray and speak. He's answering me." Um, you know, you begin to, you know, he said he's the blessing of the Lord. Make one rich. It adds no sorrow to it. It says that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So you begin to take the word and use the word and it, it does increase your faith. But at the end of the day, when you see God, when you've been on your knees praying, believing the one scripture is going to come to pass, Ephesians 3.20 and God is able to do all, uh, more than you could ever imagine or think, um, exceedingly abundantly more than what you can, your mind can even capture. I want a brand new pickup truck. He's well able. I want to see do. So, so you 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 labor in the prayers. You labor with the once you hang on to one scripture, you know, and you run with it. And you say, this is the truth. Uh, my God's a good God. He's a good daddy. Why wouldn't he want me to have this? Right? Um, I remember when, when I was in a pickle with my mortgage and it was underwater. It was during that 2008 crisis. And I needed that mortgage payment to be brought down. And I, I was laboring in prayer and I was believing God, even though you and I didn't have any income right and um it was it was kind of at first like a scary thing going on and um but i still pushed through because i knew that that scripture ephesians 3:20 i kept saying but god you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all i could ask or think i mean i was turned down already for a modification for the loan they told me i couldn't get it then all of a sudden uh, I got a phone call that said, we want to help you modify your loan. Okay. Still, the income situation didn't change, but they assigned me a person who could help push it through. They wanted to help me. And um, in those times, lots of people were trying to refinance and get their mortgages, mortgages modified. And Lots, I've heard lots of people say, well, I sent my stuff, it got lost, I don't know what happened, blah, blah, blah. My stuff never got lost. This lady called me back when I needed to hear back from her. She needed these things, I produced them. And um, suddenly, yeah, suddenly at Christmas time, right before Christmas, we received a phone call from her that said, we found a program that can work for you. And lo and behold, the program was um, affordable, affordable. It was going to decrease the mortgage by like $900 a month. And they were going to eliminate uh, the underwater portion of the loan for like three years. Uh, in three years, they're going to eliminate the first year this much, second year this much. I had to do it in installments. 
And I was happy with that. I'm like, wow, you know, Lord. And we saw a miracle happen right before our eyes. And um, she said, we're going to send you some papers, sign off on them, and then we'll be good to go to get this going. Well, I waited for the papers to come. They never came. And then in the meantime, I was trying to find the lady that was helping me again. And she had really kind of, is that interesting that she no longer was available to to you know it was almost like she got put in this position and now she was moving on to something else it was the strangest thing so i decided to call up and ask what was going on the guy said there he's looking over and he says you know you know don't worry we're just looking at the numbers again um i've never ever seen this before happen and um so so then, you know, a few days after that, they figured it out. And so they called, they called me up and they, or I called them up, I forget. And um, I'll never forget that day because the guy said, well, you're going to get this payment and we're going to eliminate that, that underwater debt right now, right now. So it took me from waiting three years for them to, you know, to get rid of the underwater to right now. So, and it still was a very affordable program. It was, it was, um, you know, I was able to manage the program with the taxes and insurance and everything. It was like almost took me almost back to my original amount, loan amount. So do you think that didn't put my faith into the... Be, I believe that God answered your prayer because a couple of things, because you're housing your parents in yes. that house. Yes. It was important for you to keep them well yeah. and secure and yeah. no financial problems on their right. part. Right. So that was, you were working for, for, was, yeah. for somebody mm-hmm. else. Amen. And yeah. then the other thing, you got denied by one, one guy named Frank. And remember, say, let's thank God, thank God. And it was the best thing that he was handling the paperwork and he got denied you because yeah. they switched you over to a better plan all of a sudden and you had everything ready. And I remember, okay, yeah. but let's get back to uh, Abraham response real quick like that. Um, I just wanted to emphasize that the, uh, in a nutshell, let's recap a little bit. Um, the point we're talking about one is, is forgiveness on a continual basis, no matter what, is how our faith seems to work. And remember that the apostles, uh, upon hearing what they, they, the Jesus talked about, betrayals are inedible. In other words, continual forgiveness activates faith. And then Jesus responded by giving them another story. I mean, he, they said, Lord, increase our faith our measure of faith. And Jesus says, even if you have the smallest measure of authentic faith, it would be powerful enough to say to a large tree, my faith will pull you out of the roots and throw you into the sea and it will respond to your faith and obey you. So folks, our faith is really, really, it's another word for it is believing. If you believe much as you read the word of God, it causes you to believe much. And the point I'm making right faith, faith is he goes after a servant has finished, and then he goes again. He prefaces 
and then after the preface, he says, after a servant has finished his work in the field or with a life. Now remember, the faith is action. The faith is after the servant has finished his work in the field with the livestock or reading the word of God, he doesn't immediately sit down and relax and eat. No, a true servant prepares the food for his master and makes sure his master serves his meal before he sits down and eats his own. So that's kind of like weird. How are you going to find, how do the stories interlock with that story? The only thing I can think about is the fact is, is that we are in love serving the Lord God, mm. and then we truly say, thank you, Lord, for a wonderful day, and praise Him and mm. worship Him. Mm. So so learn this lesson. He, after doing all that is commanded, all the action is commanded you to, to raise faith, okay? Simply say, Lord, we are mere servants under serving of special praise, for it is your faith and your work doing the things that accomplishes mm. things. Wow, that's a good point. Babe. We are just we're just doing what is expected of the children of God to yes. act in faith. Yes, wow. To act in faith. Yeah. Okay? You know, we're just doing what it's expected of us, Lord. It is your doing. It is your faith. It is your work. It, your your success is what we're having, Lord. Let us not uh, put anything on it because we're we are made out of carbon. And uh, the 50 years ago, all, a lot of people have a lot of ideas, a lot of things. We're going to do this, and they're not here no more. All their ideas and all their faith, everything's gone. Another point I wanted That's to do. That's a good point, babe. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, we everything we do, we do it unto the Lord. You and know, recap we, is, 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 is don't, don't be jealous of the prosperous people. Right. That they're not giving their money to the poor. Right. Too. Forgive the betrayals. He says, betrayals are going to come, but woe to the one whom be- Satan uses for betrayal. Because Jesus says, you know, it says, but then he says, forgive. Make sure you have a continual forgiveness, forgiveness perpetual flow. forgiveness. Right. Just completely let go. You know, that's a prerequisite for you. Your faith. Yeah, it, you know, one thing it does say there, if there is repentance. I did, I had never seen that in the word before. So even if the person comes back and, and keeps, they say sorry and they just keep on, you forgive. But right here, I hadn't seen that. You know, but, you know, choose to forgive. Always choose to uh, That's what the 12-step program is. They call it, we don't shoot our wounded. Yeah. You know, if a person yeah. goes out and drinks or right. uses it and so forth, we said we believe you're intact right now. You know, so once we, they come to AA and they believe the way they're supposed to believe, because there's faith and belief there. Mm-hmm. We believe, Elena, we believe you're perfect right now. You're whole, so you are able to relax and laugh and have a good time because there's no, no judgment, no requirements, no this and that. All it is is just. We, you know, uh, good words there. So, because we're on, uh, on faith, let me read what the recovery Bible says on the on faith. How many times have we wished that we could overcome the addictions or compulsions that keeps us in bondage, like anger, unforgiveness, resentment, you know, harbor laziness or whatever, or habits? We know that it what it is like to struggle with the effects 
of an addiction and the craziness this brings into our lives. We may feel despair and wonder if there really is any way out of the insanity of our current circumstances. Maybe escape from our plight is impossible, at least without God's help. But when faith in God, even the impossible can happen. The apostle said to the Lord, Show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you may call, could say to this mulberry tree, May you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. Matthew also records Jesus' words, I tell you the truth, if you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible. Faith is a mysterious commodity. Jesus says that if we have faith, real faith, it only takes a small amount to make a big difference. We may be exercising faith without even realizing it. It takes faith to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. It takes faith to work through the steps of a recovery program. It is comforting to know that God only needs a tiny bit of faith in order to work in powerful ways to restore our sanity. And one good book to read on faith is The Steps We Took by Joe McHugh. Joe M.C.Q. M.C.Q. Joe McHugh. The Steps We Took. It explains faith, hope, and believing in a very nice way with the 12 steps. It helped me a great deal. And let's let's talk a little bit about the rich man, poor man. Here we see the consequences of selfishness illustrated by all the material comforts of life. This rich man never took inventory of his deepest needs and sins because he was hard-hearted and selfish, refusing to feed the beggar Lazarus he was co-signed to hell. Lazarus, on the other hand, lacked even basic resources and suffered physical, physically during his lifetime, but he was prepared for eternity. Death proved to be the great equalizer, affecting a reversal of fortune for those two. Did you hear that? A reversal of fortune. God wants us to have the proper attitude towards money and possessions and to use them unselfishly to help others. Amen. That's a big tall order, right? You work hard. You're going to save your money for some day. I don't know how many times I tore that IRA and gave the money. And it's just like it's... Being a Christian, for me, it was just very hard to have any kind of control of my finances, you know, because there were just so many needs around me. And I, too, was in need. I was not handling my finances properly. It takes, it takes 20 years to get them together, so if you have a few more years to go, just hang in there. Now, talking about the... Uh, the temptation is sin. <clears throat> there will always be temptation to sin or offenses to retaliate. But what sorrow awaits the person who does the uh, the contempt, the contemping, the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea and with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. 
Okay, but the recovery Bible says, knowing when to forgive and when to confront is critical in the recovery process. Jesus taught that forgiveness is to be freely and frequently extended to others with no strings attached. On the other hand, the recovery process sometimes calls for tough love. If our friends are clearly acting counter to God's word, we need to confront them for their own good. Woe to the person, however, who tempts a person in recovery. Strong drink or drugs, for example, should never be offered to people in recovery. Those who offer such temptation will pay dearly when they stand before God. Wow. So we get a we get a lot. I was offered in this last you know drink a couple of times, and thirty years ago I was offered by the same guy drinks. Come on, get yeah, over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Just take a drink, good solid drink. You know. Uh, in other words, join me because I can't stop drinking. You know, misery loves company, as they say. Anyway, that's all I have to share. We didn't, uh, we thank God for it. And, you know, maybe a lot of people have trouble today. And it's because they tempted a Christian to go to the ball game or to do something, to get away from their Bible study. Or, or they tempted something to do as far as God's people is concerned. But I really think it's from, you know, that they, they should be able to be punished. What, punished in hell? I don't know. You know, it's... You know, it, it, it just, you know, even, even a little one, it says. You know, you got little kids around. You're as a, you know, you're, the temptation can... You know, they're they're growing up in that environment and so they're I don't know. You know what I think is their <clears throat> their for their peace is taken away. They're using they're peaceful, they're calm. Oh, there's nothing yes, wrong with uh-huh. teaching kids pornography or this and that or talking about sex or trying to make them confused. And their severely punishment is their peace goes yeah. away, their common sense goes away. They become tormented here. And they're going to be tormented in hell, the people that, that go against God's word in luring Christians to sin. Yeah. You know? And don't believe. Yeah. Yeah. So we pray that God will. So apparently, they, you know, I didn't think you can lose your salvation, but apparently, you know, this this one you can. You know, people can. You can take people to lose their. I don't know. Jesus said, "No one can snatch you out, out of, of my out of hand." But right. maybe that that re- person has to qualify, yeah. right? Well, has it, to stay it, in know, the kingdom of God. You know, it, you know that's a whole other thing. Um, if Thank re- God we don't know everything. Yeah, right. If we we re- are the eternal newcomers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord God, that you will reveal what we need to reveal when for us to reveal. For right now is is showing the Lord our faith. Showing the Lord our faith. Strengthen our faith. You know what the, our faith is? To, to generate more faith is to, is to shine up what we have and appreciate what we have and make it the best we can. Yeah, you know, when it says to cause one of these little ones, you know, how does Jesus refer to us as children of God? So he still sees us as one of those little ones, I think. Yeah. You know, and so uh, 
you know, you could have, you know, anyways, we probably just need to. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a you open yeah, up. It, it could be, you know, there's a born again uh, Christian woman who starts dating an unbelieving man and he tempts her to sin. And, you and know. Usual, that's usually the thing. And she gets yeah. beat up and comes back. We had that. Right. A girl so, comes back with a black eye. And they call me and they tell me, what can we do to her? Well, she drank. You know, she had, a, <clears throat> she already knew the truth. We laid down on the platform everything we can tell her. It says it's dangerous out there. Here is where it's safe. Reading is where it's safe. Praying and working on your on your 12 step. And she goes back again. And this time, and I said, "What the, they asked me? What do we tell her?" Was well, tell her what the scripture says: a dog goes back to his vomit. I said, "Well, that's a little harsh." I said, "Well, how about stupid? Is what stupid does. The word stupid is unable to learn. <laughs> it's a little harsh, but that's what we're talking about. That you know, the Bible is harsh. If a person doesn't work, hunger will bring them to their senses and he'll work. Thank you. Uh, Psalm, uh, celebrate God in the certainty that he will vindicate his people and bring honor to himself, showing that he alone is the Lord. Psalm 8, 83, 1 to 18. O God, do not be silent. Do not be deaf. Do not be quiet, O God. Don't you hear the uproar of your enemies? Don't you see that your arrogant enemies are rising up? They devise crafty schemes against your people. They conspire against your precious ones. Come, they say, let us wipe out Israel as a nation. We will destroy the very memory of its existence. Yes, this was their unanimous decision. They signed a treaty as allies against you. Those Edomites and Ishmaelites, Moabites and Hagrites, Jebelites, Ammonites, and Amalekites, and people from Philistia and Tyre, Assyria has joined them too and is allied with the descendants of Lot. Do them as you did the Midianites and as you did to Sisera and Jaben at the Kishon River. They were destroyed at Endor and their decaying corpses fertilize the soil. Let their mighty nobles die as Oreb and Zeb did. Let all their princes die like Zeppa and Zalmuna, for they said, let us seize our own for our own use, these pasture lands of God. O oh my God, scatter them like tumbleweed, like chaff before the wind, as a fire burns a forest and as a flame sets mountains ablaze. Chase them with your fierce storm. Terrify them with your tempest. Utterly disgrace them until they submit to your name, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and terrified forever. Let them die in disgrace. Then they will learn that you alone are called the Lord, that you alone are the Most High, supreme over all the earth. And Proverbs 13, 4 says, Lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, everyone, for coming in today's study. I pray, Lord God, that we I wasn't too harsh on you. I bless you. And let's give them heaven. Amen.